Wow. Um, man, I have been looking forward to this. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Dave and I have I've been in ministry just about 20 years, uh, youth pastoring and now lead pastoring. So you can really pray for us. Um, youth pastoring is so much different than youth pastoring. But Dave, Jane and I have done more ministry together than I've done without him. Over 13 of the years we were doing ministry together. And uh, so when I heard he was planning a church, which we were supposed to do together, and he did it without me. I was very frustrated. So I just went and became lead pastor of another church. It's like, ha, take that. Um, so I, I have been dying to get down here. Love Dave. Uh, one of my best friends in all the world. Love Casey. Uh, she is uh, awesome. The better half for sure. Anybody agree? Her dad probably does. Um, my family is here, uh, not just my mom and dad and two sisters attend Connect Church, but it's great to see extended family, aunts and uncles. And uh, man, I just love you guys more than you know. And we are loving on Connect Church from afar. You need to know that we have been praying for you. Um, we brought 75 people down on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving to just help in any way we can. We have people coming to us on a regular basis asking what we can do and how we can help. And so uh, just know that you have a church up in Chicago that is praying uh, for you and hoping some amazing things happen. Uh, I did get the better end of this deal. Dave is preaching two sermons this morning. We have two services and uh, I'm only getting to do one and I'm actually younger than he is. And so it's a great it's a great morning how uh, this all is, is working out. Um, can I tell you a story about Dave, though? Is that all right if we just a little bit of an embarrassing story? Uh, maybe not embarrassing, but funny. Dave and I are two different types of guys. I am a little bit more in the in your face, confrontive. Not that I love confronting. I just if, if there's an issue, let's talk about it. Okay, anybody else like that? I mean, now, like right now. And Dave's not. Dave's more gentle and he's very loving in how he comes across. And I was always challenging. Listen, Dave. Sometimes you just got to get intense. You just got to tell people exactly what you think. And we never fought in all of our time ministering together. It's like a married couple. We're not. Um, never fought. One, because I was always the one, you know, in his face. And he was always the nice and polite. Until one day he took my advice and confronted me. And I'm like, unreal, first of all. This is supposed to go towards somebody else. And so I, he calls me. And I had left boxes in his garage. For months, uh, they had moved into a home. Do you remember this? That we were staying in. He kept asking, hey, can you get the boxes out? I'm like, yeah, I'll get them. And, and months had passed. And I never got these boxes. And so finally he calls me and he lets me have it. Irresponsibility. And, man, I've been asking you for, you know, months to get this. And I can't believe you haven't gotten these boxes. And he just goes at it. And I went right back because I'm, that's how I am. I'm like, listen. And I, I don't know what leg I had to stand on. I was just giving him whatever I could give him at that moment because I'm going to win this fight. Um, which you don't really win fights and, and just let you know. So, so we go at it and we just hang up mad. And then I sat there going, that was awesome. Like he just, like he stood up. So I call him back. I get him back on the phone and he answers. He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, that was incredible. He goes, oh man, God, man, I'm just, oh. That's just like, I mean, all worked up. And I'm like, dude, well done. That's what I'm talking. I mean, I was upset, but well done. So you have a guy leading this church who is passionate about God. He's passionate about family. And he's the most loving, caring, honoring individual I've ever met. Uh, so we're lucky, right, to know this guy. We are in this um, 
series called Christmas Carols uh, or Carols, and Dave called and said, "Hey, can we do this together? And would you like to swap?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, that would be awesome. I'd love to do that." And so he's up there doing um, our services, and I get to be down here. And we're in Away in the Manger is what we're talking about this morning. The song Away in a Manger. He's up there doing Oh Come All You Faithful. Um, and here's what I'm used to. Can I tell you what I'm used to? I, I grew up in a very charismatic, uh, very lively, crazy church where they swung from chandeliers and jumped pews. Right? My mom and dad. Um, so what I'm used to when speaking is some interaction. Okay? You may not be used to that, but I totally am. So if you hear something that sounds really good, just be like, yeah, that's good. If you hear something that you don't like or sounds really bad, then stay quiet. Okay, talk about it later. Uh, if it's funny, laugh. Okay, if it's not, laugh. We're just going to have some fun and we're going to talk and we're going to interact and, and see what God has to say through this Christmas carol um, this morning. Some interesting things to know about Away in a Manger. Uh, did some research. And Away in the Manger was first published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum back in 1885. And a lot of people thought that Martin Luther was the author or originator of Away in the Manger. Uh, some controversy arose. We do not know to this day who authored the first two verses of Away in a Manger. But they are powerful. And this song has hit the top it's tied for second place in the world of Christmas carols along with O Come All Ye Faithful. This is an endearing song that has lasted for generations. And we get to talk about it this morning. Uh, this is going to be one of those straightforward messages that we're just going to hit you between the eyes with some truth from God's word. Is that okay? Uh, here's, let me challenge you with this thought. Here's what we do. When I'm in these kind of moments, we say at our church all the time that we want people to have a great experience from the moment they get out of the car to the moment they sit down. Because for the next 30 minutes, we're going to offend them. It's powerful, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's, wow. That's, I bet you have a lot of people coming back. No, the truth is God's word hits us. It's what we're to live by, and yet we're human and selfish by nature, and so sometimes we're not living up to the standards God has for us, and yet he knows best how we should function. And so he gives us these principles, and we dive in and we read them, and oftentimes I find that we, we like some of it and we don't like other parts of it. And so what I'm going to challenge us with this morning is we share this and we talk about this, that if you hear something and it kind of sets wrong, think about it. Because a lot of times it's those things that set wrong or we sit there and go, oh, I'm not sure about that, that are the things that God is trying to use to communicate something to us. And I've always learned in the moments when I get a little angst, something real is happening. And so as we dive in, some of what we're going to say, you're going to be like, yeah, that's me, I do that. Woo! And pat yourself on the back, because that's great. Right? When you're doing it right, celebrate. When you're doing it wrong, change. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, see? Thank you. <laughs> oh, my. We're going to have a blast. This whole idea of a baby in a manger is an amazing thought. God literally uh, stripping himself of, of heaven and all of that in the form of a baby in a manger and coming to this earth. And I have to tell you, you need to understand something about the baby in the manger is when, when Israel was looking for the Messiah, they wasn't, they weren't expecting this move. Okay. They were expecting this conquering king to show up. They've been looking forward to him. He's going to come. He's going to defeat everybody around and, and set up his rule and reign. And, and Israel is going to be this nation that, is, that rules and is empowered. And so they're waiting and looking for this conquering king. And God does a trick play. 
And it's amazing. I don't know if you've watched football lately, but we're not, the trick plays aren't paying off. Um, but when my team, Chicago Bears, when they do a trick play, thank you. When they do a trick play, I love it. Especially when it works, it's like, well, that was awesome shit. When it doesn't, it's like, that was stupid. Why'd you do that? You know, we, that's how we are as people. We're really loyal when it works. Um, sorry, that was, I'm the same way. Um, and so, so God comes in here and, and God throws this baby in a manger. And it's like, we weren't expecting that. Were we? We're not expecting this baby in a manger that's going to come in this humble form. And he's going to live a life of serving. And he's going to love the way we should always love. And he's going to serve and he's going to die for you and I and our sin. And we weren't expecting that. And that's the power of this song when we talk about this baby. And so for the next few weeks, uh, you along with us, we're focusing in on these, these uh, carols. And we're picking out a phrase. And the reason we're doing that, and hopefully as we come to this season every year and you hear this phrase, it will remind you of this moment when you heard this message from God's word. And it challenged you and you remember the commitments that you made and you remember the challenge and it will never be sung the same again. Can we do that? So as we focus on a way in a manger, this is the phrase that really jumps out and I want us to talk about. The little Lord Jesus. Bingo. That's it. We're going to stop right there. The little Lord Jesus. Now, some of you, when we say the little Lord Jesus, you think of Talladega Knights, right? And the eight pound, eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus that was prayed to. And, and so we could focus on the little. And I think that would do injustice to what I know to be a great, powerful, big God. He came in the form of a baby, but he grew up to be a man who would die for our sins. And so what I want to focus on is the Lord part. The Lordship of Christ, that Jesus is Lord. And this is where it's going to get sticky for all of us because we all have work to do. Over 740 times in the New Testament alone, Jesus is referred to as Lord. Can I tell you that when something says something over 740 times, it's probably important. Would you agree? It's just like when your wife or your husband or friend tells you you're great 140, 750 times. And you need that, right? Because then you start to believe what? Right? Practice that. Our passage, uh, though, comes from a very classic Christmas passage dealing with the birth of Christ. And so it's Luke chapter 2, 8 through 11. I want to read it for you. And we'll read it all season long. It's great. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Isn't this awesome? I mean, to be there. And they were filled with great fear. Yes, as would we be. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all. So these shepherds are in a field watching their flocks and this whole string of angels show up and they say, don't be afraid. Right. Yeah, so they're zeroed in and they are listening because that's what you do when angels show up and start talking. You live, right? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's you and I as well. For unto you is born this day. Can I just stop right there for one second? For unto you, who's the reason for the season? No, 
Now you're going to kick me off the stage, right? Jesus is... No, we are the reason for the season. What does the Bible say? For unto who was born? Unto us was born a child. This is the greatest gift. The season is a gift that was given to us. And we got to celebrate that gift, don't we? That was free. That has nothing to do with the message. It just jumped out there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the what? The Lord. Christ the Lord. So it's established from the start. Jesus, the Son of God, is born. He's the Savior of the world. He is Christ the Lord. So if Jesus is Lord, and it says that over 740 times in the New Testament, what are the implications for us when it comes to how we live our lives with the understanding that He is Lord? How is He Lord in our marriages? How is he Lord in our relationships? How is he Lord in our careers? How is he Lord in our finances? How is he Lord in the talents and giftings and resources that he has given us? Because the earth is the Lord and everything in it, even us, right? See, this is getting good and you don't even know it yet because I, I see it coming. What does it mean to make Jesus our Lord? I think we really need to understand the word Lord if we're going to understand what it means to make Jesus our Lord. So this is a little bit of, you ready to go back to school for just a second? Just a second, I promise. We won't stay there very long. Uh, what it means to make Jesus our Lord, we have to look at what the word really means in the Greek. And the word translated in the Greek, now just so you know, the Bible was written in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. So when you go back and you find out what it meant in that original translation, you get the word kurios. Which means, you ready for this? Supreme in authority, controller... Lord, supreme in authority. So if Jesus Christ is Lord, oh, and he's supposed to be, we'll get to those in a second, and he's supposed to be Lord of our lives, everything in it, what does it mean that he is supreme in authority, control? So if Jesus is controller, we have a problem. All right? Here's why we have a problem. Let me ask you this, in honesty required. How many of you would say you're a control freak? Raise your hand. Okay, so that's good. Let me ask you this, and, and listen, this is participatory. So for those of you that are sitting there and you're not wanting to participate, participate. How many of you know somebody who is a control freak? Raise your hand. See, isn't it interesting that when you ask who a control freak in the room is, you get a few. But when you ask if you know somebody who's a control freak, you get 100% participation. Do you know what that means? That means everybody's a control freak. You're just not self-aware. It's like the person on American Idol that's getting up there singing and they think they know how. And the judges are looking at them like, oh, this is awful. Who told you you could do that? My mom. They're just not self-aware. Okay? So we, you're a, we're control freaks. It's in our nature. And some of us, we're way over here on the pendulum and we're kind of control freaks. And there's others of us, we're over here and we're like getting to be worse and we're dancing in the middle. And then there's others of us, and don't point any fingers to anybody right now, but you just cannot handle if anybody tells you that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing or wrong or need, have an idea or just a suggestion to get better. Because you got it all right. Do you know anybody like Don't raise your hand. My notes went off. I hate when it says that. Here's the deal. It's amazing that we all know someone, but few of us claim that we are. We all have some level of control issues, uh, whether we're driving in a car. Have you ever sat in a passenger seat when you're driving in a car and you'd start stopping sooner? You know what I mean? Or you would take the turn different. Or you would 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or, or maybe you're working on a project at home and you would do it different and you make sure everybody knows that. Or you're worrying about your future because you can run it better than God can. Just saying. What does it mean to make Jesus Lord of our life? And technically, um, we need to understand something about that phrase because I've heard that ever since I was growing up. That you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead and he forgives your sins that you can have this salvation and you can be waiting on this eternal life with Christ. And it begins the moment you make that decision. And so you make him Lord. And there's something we need to understand that we don't make Jesus Lord. God made him Lord. And that's a switch for me in my head. We don't make him Lord. We surrender to what he already is. We surrender to the supreme in authority. We surrender to the one who's really in control of everything. We surrender to the Lord. So how do we surrender to the Lord? Uh, because I, I have I've committed myself to there's so many times in my in my ministry I'd get up and tell everybody what we were doing wrong and then that would be the end of the message. And everybody we walk away going, Now what? You know, and so how, how do we, how do we surrender? And I want to paint some pictures of, there's actually two that I want to focus on, but there's really three ways that we surrender. One, we don't surrender at all. And we never make Jesus Lord of our life. And we don't step into this faith walk. We don't step into this relationship with the God of the universe. And here's what's amazing about that is God gives you the freedom not to. He doesn't want a relationship if you don't want a relationship. He longs for it, but he wants that to be something that you want as well. And so he gave us the freedom to choose, but he puts it out there. And we may be here in the room this morning and we haven't stepped into a relationship with Christ for whatever reason. And there's lots of them. But you need to know the God of this universe loves you and died for you and created you and has a plan for you that's better than yours. So that was free. The two I want to focus in on, we'll move pretty quick. Partially surrendered people. The partially surrendered life. This is where most Christian Americans live. We live in the partially surrendered life. Whether it's the culture in which we live in. Whether it's the selfishness. Because we live in a self-driven culture and society. You can go to a magazine rack and you can find a magazine entitled Self. We are that caught up in self. And so we find ourselves in this. Other countries of the world, not so much. Definitely in America, we can find ourselves in this partially surrendered life where practical atheism is what we are. We're practical atheists. Can I tell you what a practical atheist is? You ready for this? This one messed me up when I heard it the first time. Those who claim there is a God but live like there isn't are practical atheists. Those who claim that there is a God. Basically, I believe that God is everything that he says he is, but I'm going to do what I want. See, our beliefs should inform our behaviors. And if we say we believe something, then we should live what we say we believe. And not just part of it, but all of it. It's just like I have a real strong belief in gravity. Gravity. Sorry. ADD too, man. I'll just go. I'll just woo, woo. We, I have a strong belief in, and it informs my behaviors. If I'm up high on something, I'm not stepping off unless I go down a ladder. Because if you step off, what goes up has to quickly. Because gravity is what? True. It is a law. I know this is, I tell you, this is, this is going to get difficult because this is where a lot of us live, myself included at times, especially with certain areas. 
Our beliefs should inform our behaviors. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. I know I'm throwing a lot of verses at you, but I want you to get this. I want you to hear Jesus' words, his frustration with this partially surrendered life that many of us find ourselves in. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Isn't that pretty straightforward? It's a question straight at us. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, listen, why are you giving me your talk? But you're not giving me your walk. Craig Rochelle says it like this. Why are you giving me lip service and no life service? Why is it you're calling me Lord and then doing whatever you want to do? Many of us today believe uh, that he is Lord. But we want to be in control of our lives. I I, I know you're Lord, but I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to respond the way I want to respond. I'm going to keep what I want to keep. I'm not going to serve when I should serve. I'm not going to. We want to take portions of the Bible and we want to rip it out because it's difficult to live. Or maybe we don't agree with it or maybe we don't understand it. And so it's better just to eliminate it. And we don't literally do that. But a lot of us do that by the way in which we live our lives. We're just simply saying, I don't care what you think or what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. Can I just tell you how crazy that is? When we have been created by God, and he has this amazing plan for our life, and he's sitting there just going, I want to, I want to take you on this journey. And it's amazing. And it's not easy, and it's difficult. But I got the bigger view. I can see around the mountain, and I know what's coming, and I'm going to walk with you. And I, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be a blast to do together. And you're going to have story after story to tell, and it's the greatest story ever being told. And why do we trade that story in just to live our own with little meaning in the end? This partially surrendered life. Jesus is no part-time Lord, and he doesn't want part-time followers. Jesus is no part-time Lord, and he doesn't want part-time followers. When you come to him, he asks you to give your whole life. And if you want to follow me, he says you have to take up your cross. If you want to save your life, then you've got to what? You've got to lose it. You've got to lay it down. Because there's more joy and fulfillment in giving your life to him and others than ever just taking care of you. Well, that's true. Paul said, though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. You give it away. You come under the lordship of Christ and he's in control and he says what's right and he says what's wrong and you follow it. There's a guy out there that uh, has an amazing um, message that he shares. His name's Francis Chan. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he talks about what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a follower. Nope, not part time, but full time. And yet we have this perception. And I thought instead of trying to regurgitate it, I would just show you because he tells it better than I would. So watch this from Francis Chan. Like this. Who am I to trust this? Who cares? Don't ever 
just started. I thought I was a key guy. And then he comes to me, you know, just, just knocking all the way. He goes, you know, Pastor, here's the problem with you. He goes, you think everyone needs to be this radical. You, you think that Jesus called us all to be radical. He, he, goes, he goes, you know, you, you think there's just these few radicals. And, and, and he goes, you know, there's this, you got to understand, there's, there's, there's this middle road where, where you know, people, you know, they profess Christ and they do some good things. And it's like you're, 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 you're neglecting that whole middle road. Did you guys know that? There is a narrow road that leads to life. There's a wide road that leads to destruction. And now there's this new middle road. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. Like a carpool lane. <laughs> it's a partially surrendered life. It's a middle road. He wants us to be fully surrendered. So my question to you is to take a moment and ask, what have I not surrendered to the Lord? What area am I still trying to control or what areas am I unwilling to give up to God? 
Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge. If you take that word, that the word is yada in Hebrew, and it means to know him. In all your ways, know him. Know this God this who created all the universe wants to be Lord of your life so he can know you. Isn't that amazing? To just think about that. What areas? What, maybe it's your future. It's your job. It's the finances. It's your marriage. It's your kid. What, what we put our hands on, we, we often may, mess up. Because we're trying to control it and we're trying to make it happen. And God is simply saying, have you surrendered it to me? Do you know me in that area? For me, the area is anxiety. It's worry. And I worry like crazy. What area am I not surrendering to the Lordship of Christ? Let me, let me go real fast because we've run out of time. And I'm... The second one is, is, is the last one to understand. It's fully surrendered. It's this, it's this fully, completely and totally surrendered life. What does an all-in life look like? My life doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to God. And I am completely and totally surrendered to that truth, to that God. Romans 14, 7 and 8. Paul says, for none of us... Live, our, live for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to who? And if we're going to live or die, do we belong to the Lord? We belong to the Lord, the curios. Uh, when, when I was getting ready to propose to my wife, uh, I bought this wedding ring. It was It was amazing. <laughs> It, at least for my budget, it was amazing. You know what I mean? When you're when you're first doing that, it's just like, oh, it's beautiful. I love it. It's beautiful, right? And you like everybody's opinion on it because it's amazing. And I remember presenting that to her um, that night uh, and, and nerves and everything. And I, and I presented that that ring to her in that moment, and she the ring cost her nothing. There was no cost involved for her until she said. Thankfully, yes. And in that moment, she belonged to me and I belonged to her and we belonged to each other as we belonged to God. Up until that point, the ring didn't cost anything until it was presented. And she said, I received that ring. And then some of you are like, belong. We're talking about belong. No, it's OK, because it's just like. I mean, if anybody tried to touch her, I'd mess them up. You know what I mean? We, she belongs to me. This is my wife. This is, this is who I love passionately, and she loves me, and, and I belong to her, and we belong to Jesus. But in the, in the beginning, it didn't cost anything until she made that decision to receive that, and then there became this decision to belong. It's the same way with Jesus. See, he went to a cross, and he died for our sins. He died for every one of us, and he offered this gift to us that cost us nothing but cost him everything. And until you receive it, it doesn't cost you anything, but the moment you receive it, the moment you say, I want to be in relationship with God, then it becomes you belong to him. He belongs to you and he becomes Lord of your life. He is Lord. And that is a fully surrendered life. It's everything. And so my question is, what area of your life do you not know him? Do you, have you not surrendered to him? For me, the anxiety and the worry and trying to control my future until I knew him and understood that I shouldn't borrow trouble from tomorrow, that he lives in tomorrow, that he has my tomorrow. Then I started to understand who he is. And then I began to know him. And then I could surrender that. You understand? And make him Lord of my tomorrow. Is he Lord of your life? Let me, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. 
Anybody play poker? Hey, don't admit that in church. I'm just, I'm just saying. This is, yeah. Sorry, Mom. I mean, Mom's going to talk to me later about this. Talk about poker chips in church. Are you kidding me? You ever played? Anybody ever played? Raise your hand. Just, 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 I know. It's, 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 right? It's like, it's like the, the moment when it builds up and you go what? All in. Or you're playing against somebody and they go all in. You start sweating. You're like, yeah. This is the moment you've been waiting for and they've called you and you're ready and you go, boom, I am 100% in. And they're like, uh, yeah, that's not all in, bro. No, that's okay. This, I'm keeping this. This is just in case something doesn't work out. That. That's not all in. And we do that. We're like, no, God, you can't have this part. This is, I want this part. This is my job. This is my finance. This is my, my marriage. This is my kids. I'm going to let me speak in. This is mine. This is my future. This is my career. This is, you, don't, you don't get this part. And then, then that's not all in. That's not fully surrendered. And it doesn't work in poker, and it doesn't work in following Christ. This is all in. And that's a scary place to be, and that's a trusting place in in yourself. But when you put your hope and trust in Jesus and you go all in with him, it's not so scary because he created you and he made you and he knows how you're to function. And he has you in his hand. And so you can bank on his lordship in your life. I'm going to say one more thing. The band can come up. Sorry, I've gone long. I'm sorry. Tell Dave. Sorry. Typical. I talk a lot. I just do. Let, let, let me let me issue you a warning. Can I do that? See, we've been given this gift. And if we choose to put our lives in Jesus' hands, then we belong to him. Our life is not our own. The Bible says that. He bought it with a price. And it cost us nothing. cost him everything. The cost comes the moment you put your faith and hope and trust in his lordship. And you allow him. You put yourself under that lordship. And you surrender My fear is that there are a lot of Christians today, and I'm just going to issue this. It's just a warning real quick before we close out. There are are a lot of Christians today that live in this false security or this false awareness that we are where we think we should be. And I want you to hear this passage in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, because it's a haunting passage. It's a haunting thought. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we Instagram devotions for everybody and text scriptures and go to church and sing the songs in your name? And in your name, drive out demons. Sorry, that was just a paraphrase. And perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. See, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, on that day. And he'll say, I never knew you. So my question is, do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Are you leaning not on your own understanding? Are you acknowledging him? Are you knowing him in all of your ways? Your marriage relationship, your other relationships, your job relationships. Are you, are you knowing him? Are you surrendering your life fully to him? Because if you're not, then you're not fully living. And it doesn't mean that we're not ever going to have those times or those moments. 
I've got some still that I'm holding back. Anybody else? And I'm working on them. And God knows my heart and knows I'm working on them. And it's my desire to fully surrender. And I want to. And I tell him all the time. That's why when I sing out here, I lift my hands. I'm not living fully surrendered, but I want to. And right actions over time will produce the right heart. And sometimes you've got to physically go there before you spiritually go there. And so I'm just going to put my hands up and say, I surrender. Because I want my life to be fully surrendered. I'm going to close with this thought, I promise. One more. Okay, because you'll get this. You'll get this, okay? I think, I think we've settled for a park district Christianity and not a traveling team Christianity. Okay? Some of you sports enthusiasts, just you'll get this. Okay? You play for the park district, you can come to practice when you want. It's not, that doesn't cost that much to play for the park district. You know what I'm saying? If you come to the game, everybody gets to play. You know, if you don't come to the game, you just don't come to the game. You know what I'm saying? It's park district. Didn't pay much. Didn't cost you much. There's no commitment. Time investment isn't as large. But boy, you play for the traveling team and you're paying. And you're not just paying, you're going. You're going with the kids. You're going to get a hotel room. You know what I mean? And you're going to go everywhere they go. And you're going to practice and you're going to be at practice. Because if you're not at practice, then you don't play. Because this is a traveling team. This is serious stuff. You know what I'm talking about. And we will give our lives to that stuff. And yet when it comes to the one who gave his life for us, we'll give him Park District Christianity? I don't want to. I want to give him traveling team Christianity. Fully committed. Fully in. Going after him with everything that I've got. And you can too. It's the life he offers. It's the best way to do it. So my question. What in your life is not surrendered the lordship of jesus that you need to give him and simply say it's yours and help me to know you in that surrender there's anybody in the room you'd say you know what that's me i've got some partially surrendered areas to work on if you just raise your hand i think god loves it sometimes when we just acknowledge it and that's a good portion of us can i pray for us god i i don't know what those areas are but i know you do And I know you're a great God. And I know this stuff isn't always easy to hear because we are human. But you experienced that. You became human. So you understand that. God, we're selfish. But you understood that too because you said if you want to follow me, you've got to lay down yourself. Lay down your life. Pick up the cross. So God, I pray that prayer right now over each one who raised their hand. That whatever it is, whatever things still need to be surrendered to you. That we will do that. And we will know you. We will acknowledge you in all of our ways. We will know you in those ways. That you will speak truth into those areas that we may perceive different. And that God, we will find you. And we will find the life that you have for us. Fully surrendered. All in. Travel team. Christianity. In Jesus name. Amen.